I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. And my business partner said to them, so what is it in your mind? How do you believe that people actually succeed? Like what is the difference between succeeding and failing in, in property projects and in industry? And he turned around and he said, it's simple. He said, it's the people that believe in it are the ones that actually succeed. And I said, you know, and I've, I've lived by that for a long time. If you don't believe in it, don't waste your time. This is Property Investory, where we talk to successful property investors to find out more about their stories, mindset and strategies. I'm Tyrone Shum and in this episode, we're speaking with Property Inc. founder, Melissa Fisher. A successful businesswoman and developer, she gives us insight into the dedication and passion required to transform a gardening supply side hustle into a business empire. Plus, she unveils a story of how an ugly conversation with a bank led her to buying a forklift. Fisher is a successful businesswoman through and through and she gives us an overview of how exactly property became an integral aspect of her career. I have been in business for a very long time and I say more years than I care to actually admit. I had my first business when I was 21 which is a very pivotal point in my life and I've been in business for myself ever since. So property hasn't been a forever thing but it's certainly been an integral part of, of my entire journey. So now I still run multiple businesses a property tech platform, property developer by nature. I coach students in, in property. Uh, that keeps me fairly busy. As the other side of my life is I have a commercial pilot's license. I love flying. I love getting out and, and doing adventurous things. I certainly love being out in nature, enjoying sunshine and, and all those wonderful things that go with life as well. Though many of us may have dreams of climbing mountains and exploring nature, Fisher is someone who has followed through on those dreams. I love hiking. So a few years ago, and I say a few years ago now, it was 2019. So, so pre-world events, I um, we went and hiked Kilimanjaro as a a prelude into a a couple of weeks over in in Africa. Um, absolutely incredible experience. So love the the Saturday morning walks to go and get coffee, which might be a 12k walk right to the let's climb a mountain and experience what that's all about. So and have done it in many places across the world. I'm 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 great getting out and experiencing different locations and doing it on foot is just a very very different way to do it. Really allows you to immerse into the whole experience of why you are going to places and and culture and nature and all of those things. So and it is a great time to get out of your head and back into, you know, the other the other that other side of life. So it's, it was it's 7 days from start to finish. You can do it in 5. Um, but 7 days from start to finish we wanted the the entire experience and the reality of it is what they do is they start teaching you to do everything slowly. 
and it's it's quite interesting because I'm very busy, so I'm I'm going all the time. To the first couple of days, it is just doing everything at a very slow pace, and you you don't really appreciate why until you get to the peak. And it's because you can't do it any other way but at a slow pace. So they they really are teaching you and priming you to be able to achieve what it is getting to the top. Um, and also acclimatising to the lack of oxygen that's, that's going on. So the first few days were very slow. Uh, they take you to a point where they're doing um, blood checks constantly, just blood, blood oxygen checks to make sure that you're going to make the top successfully healthy and be able to get back down again amazing views you get super well looked after like by by nature they're beautiful people um but they they make sure you're very well looked after you're very healthy the entire time um some like i said stunning stunning views fisher was not keen to settle for mere stunning views just like in her career she was determined to make the most of her hiking experience the night of um you, we left about 11 o'clock at night to do the last part of the the hike and they ask you what you want and I had said to them, I, I want sunrise. That's, I want to be at the, at, the, at the summit for sunrise. And they said, yeah, you and everyone else? Okay, let's see how we go. So 11 o'clock at night, you are rugged up with everything you've possibly got with you um, because it is cold. Down to minus 18 degrees is what it got down to. So it's cold, but it's a very different type of cold. It's, it's not a miserable bleak cold at all, but it is... It is um, be very prepared. We we took bottles of hot water with us because they don't stay hot for long. They don't stay liquid for long either. So um, very specific process to make sure that you can remain hydrated getting up there um, because, like I said, you've got ice in no time. Um, so 11 o'clock, it was, it was sunrise when we made it to, to the summit. The most heavenly view. And it's really interesting because flying a lot of places, you see sunrise many times out the window of a plane. There's nothing quite like the achievement of actually climbing to that altitude and still being able to breathe, um, still being coherent because we learn a lot about about oxygen levels from flying. So um, we're, very, we're very conscious of, of what that can actually do um, to get there and, and actually experience the sunrise under those circumstances was just incredible. An incredible experience. It took us for the four days from start to finish to get there. A lot faster going down. <laughs> so that particular day, you only come down to a point and then it's just rest for the rest of the day. Get the oxygen happening again. Um, look after yourself and then it's only two days to actually do the rest of it. So, yeah, an incredible experience. I recommend it to, to anyone to try. It really does. If you, if you struggle getting out of your head, uh, go and do it. You have no other option. And they, it's 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 a great experience with the culture over there as well. How they see things, different perspective on life, uh, um, on a lot of levels. So yeah, it was it was incredible. To those of us listening at home who have always wanted to climb a mountain, perhaps this is our sign to finally say, "I'm going to go out and do it." And that's what I like to hear. That's actually what I like to hear. Um, is that life's about experiences? Okay, so rack them up. Absolutely, get out there and, and enjoy it. And that was that's a that's a big one. That's one that I've just. It'll, um, it'll always be a highlight of, of life, that one, just for, for many reasons. But yeah, you've really got to push yourself. You've really, you've really got to push yourself um, to, to achieve it. So yeah, it's, it's great on a lot of levels. With no moments to spare, Fisher makes the most of each and every day, especially her sunlit hours. I get up early. I'm, I'm absolutely an early person. 
And I love that. So I have a, a routine that I go through personally every morning as far as is a little bit of journaling and and defining what life is actually about, defining what it is that, that the days actually look like for me. And then it is at pace. It is I do exercise. So it's either it's either walking or it's gym every single morning. And then it's into the day. And and realistically, I have multiple teams, various businesses. So it's on calls with them, supporting them, making sure they've got good direction. And then, well, there'll be plenty of meetings that are going on. There are projects to look over. There are feasibilities to check through. So irrelevant to how much or how little we have project-wise going on, believe me, there's never a day where there's nothing to do. There's research on new areas there's councils to speak to there's state government to speak to and then the day is done (laughs) of course fisher is only human and just like the rest of us she needs time to recompose herself from her busy life some days i just block a day out to say there's no meetings there's no phone calls it's now back into the the solid might be research a day of going through a new area and and seeing, you know, what's actually happening or a day of mapping out what's going on with state government, what their future plans are and, and then how we can we can integrate with some of those things. So at some times we really do have to block out big chunks of, of no times because days can get consumed with with meetings and demands and emails and all of those things. Um, yeah, so busy days, but they're very rewarding days. I love it. Uh, it's very it's very people orientated. And so I spend a lot of time talking, but a lot of time, a lot of time around people. And this is property, property for me. I say it's a people game. Um, but yeah, I do spend a lot of time out there and amongst people, and get to the end of the day, and, and eventually I'll take a little bit of wind down time. And probably the hardest part of, of my life is the, the wind down at the end of the day, because um, like I said, there'll always be something to do. So I have to be very conscious about saying, stop, shut it off. Other side of life, there's other things to do. Summertime I love because we have daylight savings, so it extends the day out. It can be a, a late walk and it's still daylight in Victoria and, and these sort of things. Winter's a bit more of a struggle. It's it's cold, so it's okay to be inside, so it's okay to keep doing things, so a little bit more conscious. Um, it's where I say pick up a good book. Right at the end of the night, then it's a wind down, pick up a good book, um, shift out of uh, the headspace of all things business and property and enter a little bit of new news or... And that's someone else's journey. I love reading. I love reading biographies and autobiographies and, and those sort of things. Yeah, I do love busy days, especially when they're productive. You know, when you actually when you you've got a purpose behind what you're doing and you love it. Being busy is not not the end of the world. It is safe to say Fisher's determination was practiced young. Constantly on the move, Fisher was able to adapt to her rapidly shifting life and invest in her own future. I was actually born in New Zealand. Right, so I was born in a little town called Dunedin, which is right down the south of New Zealand. And my parents, so my father way back then was a builder. So we're going back quite a few years now. He was a builder and we, they came over to Australia to build my uncle's house. So we shipped, they, they packed us up as kids and they brought us out here for 12 months while my, my dad built my uncle's McMansion, we called it at the time, um, and which was great and we loved it. It was a very different climate, a very different everything. So we did our 12 months at school here and then we went back to New Zealand. Uh, Mum and Dad then went to to work on selling everything and, and getting rid of the house and packing us up and, and then we shifted back over here. So we came back here to live then. So I was brought up again. They went from small country town to small country town though. So I was actually brought up in a little town called Lake Yildon. So very small town, very big lake. Uh, so needless to say, got into water sport as a kid, 
it's what we did. We spent summers doing was was uh, water skiing and and swimming and and horse riding. That was that was what Eildon was all about in those days. So um, absolutely loved it. Could not think of a better place as a, as a kid to actually be brought up that has a huge amount of experiences and opportunities. From that perspective, not a lot from a work perspective for sure, um, but a really safe place too. Everyone knew everyone. Like I say you couldn't get away with anything, but it was also one of those places where there was never any concern about being able to walk to a friend's place or go and do something. Um, it's a very, very great environment as a kid to be brought up. Um, we learned we learned a lot early in, in age. We also learned to work early in age as well so that supported our habits because skiing and horse riding and stuff is not cheap so so you learn to earn these things which was great I could not like I said I couldn't fault it but I left there early I when we shifted from New Zealand over to Australia the school systems are there are different so you start school earlier over there so it meant that when I finished school here I was I was still young I was only just turned 16 um, so I packed up from Lake Eildon because, again, very little job opportunity and shifted to Melbourne. So we're talking a, a town of 300 in the middle of winter, which was thousands during summer because it's very, um, very tourism based at the time. So um, to, to Melbourne, which was <laughs> um, a very interesting, a very interesting contrast, to say the very least. Um, but again, another incredible Incredible um, step in life to be able to step out of a little country town and experience big city. Started my first job in an accounting firm. So I say it served me well. Maybe a more common experience than society lets us believe. Fisher shares her thoughts on the value of education or perhaps the lack thereof. When I left school, I I left school because I, I, I didn't get a lot out of it. I, I was good at school. I had no problem with that, but it, I really got nothing out of it. I wasn't feeling as though I was heading in a direction or I was achieving anything. And, and I, was, I was working as a, as a kid. My, my mum had gone and she had bought a, a cafe, a little restaurant. So, so they were doing business. They were doing their things. And at that age, I was looking for a whole lot more. So... Whether it be unfortunate or not, and I said, I don't live with regrets of because I got out to experience life and I, I certainly learned from that. I didn't go on to university. I didn't, I didn't go on to get educated. So I decided way back then that, that life was about experience and, and I'll learn on the run was, was pretty much the attitude around it. And believe me, I learned on the run. <laughs> there was no doubt about that. But I did, I had, look, I left, I got a great job. That was my mum had said to me, you're not leaving school unless you've got a good job to go to. So I thought, right, right, we'll find a good job then. So uh, way back then, this was, I left school and I had a job as a girl Friday in an accounting firm. Um, but quite interesting because while they have this expectation of me doing all things, filing and collating paperwork, I'm just like, show me where the tax returns are. Let me work this out. And I was always very... Um, intrigued and curious about about how things works, uh, but also went just just let me have a go. So I spent um, an amount of time with them, and I probably would have been one of their most annoying employees because I can do right. My job's done. Give me yours. Let me have a look at this. Um, and it was great. I loved it. It was a great experience. And I went on to various other small jobs like that until the age of twenty one where I started my own business um, in, it was a garden supplies, again, in a small country town in Gippsland, which is east of Melbourne. 
um, a garden supplies and turn that into a garden supplies, building supply and transport business. Looking back on her upbringing, Fisher looks at the impacts that her father's job as a builder may have had on influencing her own interest in property development. You know, we, we want to get to that, where do you start in property? We'll all have reference points, but as long as you actually really stop and think about where's property actually had an impact in my life over my lifetime, like I said, my dad being a builder actually would have had an impact at the time and certainly it's given me position to leverage from over time. That business, um, a massive milestone into what the industry actually looks like from a different perspective, certainly, but but definitely getting to know trades and how they operate and, and all of those sort of things way back then. Um, and pricing, we priced up many, many jobs. So so a long time ago, um, I learned a lot of those things, didn't implement them for a lot of years, but certainly learned a lot about it back then. But I, I le- when I say I left that job, I I took that position, that that small business and went into transport. So I spent quite a few years in in transport in the transport industry. I had a trucking company for a while. I drove trucks, so another another license, another one of those. Um, quite funny. Um, I did. I drove trucks for for quite some time. It was, I say, a milestone in my life. I remember, you know, ever being that child where someone says to you, "What are you going to do when you grow up?" With absolute clarity, I was going to be a truck driver or a barrister. I probably should put princess or something like that in there as well, just to mix it up. But but a truck driver and a, or a barrister, and I I always find that that recollection quite amusing because I did. I went in and I drove semis for a while. We had our own tip trucks and quite a few contracts for a long time. Absolutely loved it. Had great impact in in the industry. It made a lot of sense. Logistics makes sense to me, and a lot of it's number orientated. So. Had a lot of fun, met a lot of people, made a lot of new friends out of it. Like I said, at various different um, projects along the way, I, I managed other businesses for people. I got to restructure some of their businesses through that industry. So it headed me in a direction. It, it just it did. It steered me in a direction. Coming up after the break, Fisher reveals the frustration she felt that led her to start her own company. There's more to life than this. There's more to experience. And it be, had become quite frustrating um, to the point that, that I have that attitude that says, well, if I can't find it somewhere else, I'll make it myself. The obstacle that almost ended it before it began. So it's like, how, how am I going to make this happen? And so he sat there and he said to me, you can't borrow money. She teaches an important message of self-belief and determination that we can apply to our own journeys of success. Because you're never ever going to get the results you want if you don't back yourself. And that's next. I'm Tyrone Shum and you're listening to Property Investory. Fisher never wanted to settle. Not sure she was willing to take the path life offered, Fisher recounts the process of paving her own way. It's very interesting because thought process-wise, while I was looking at what jobs were out, they're just going, this is just not great. This is, and I, because I left school because I wasn't getting anything out of it, I just had this great need, this, this desire, hunger for, and I wasn't finding it. And even through the jobs that I'd had, I'd go, there's more to it than this. There's there's more to life than this. There's more to experience. 
and it be, had become quite frustrating um, to the point that that I have that attitude that says, well, if I can't find it somewhere else, I'll make it myself. And that's just it. So it's like, okay, so this this particular small town where I'd ended up shifting out of Melbourne to went, wow, okay, there's an opportunity and I have no idea how I'm going to do this because I have literally no idea about any of that except I enjoy being outside, I enjoy the garden, I can talk to people. Um, so I've got an understanding of how these things can work. I've had a, an amount of business understanding through watching my parents and then and then the accounting firm that I was at. It's, it's very much business orientated, their clients. So I went, well, fine, have a go, just, just have a go. What's the worst that can happen? Um, anyway, and it did well. We did, we did quite well. I, I learned a lot on the run. I learned a lot about um, the actual structure of business, what works, what doesn't work, um, the challenges that you've got to overcome. And we're in, an, in, a, in a time then where interest rates were 18 plus percent, 2 percent um, interest rate in an overdraft. You factored it in. It was what it was at that point, and luckily enough for me, I knew no different. I, I didn't have other reference points to to start sitting there saying this is too hard. So, so it was a great thing. Leaning in at that point in time was great because I learned a lot out of it. Learned how to overcome challenges in a business that, say, was small at the time. It allowed me to play around with it, grow things, see where it went. Um, certainly um, gave me amazing insights into collaboration, working with other businesses. Um, projects that we got and contracts that I got through that were just amazing. So um, great. It was a great sounding board, but it just came off the back of there was not a lot of of what I, in my mind, considered to be good work around that I was going to enjoy and, and want to spend a lot of time doing. So, if, well, if I can't find it, create it. Having learned a lot from her youth, Fisher relays for us the small first step she took to start her own business. That business started off being being a small garden supplies and then um, pushing that out to building products and, and working with trades. You've got to deliver things. So we had a small truck at the time and, and that truck you didn't actually need a truck license for. So that that was the start of, yes, we've got a couple of delivery trucks and now we pay a lot of money to get all of our product carted in. Can we actually do that cheaper? What does it look like if we had our own trucks? And then if I, if I have them, they're not running 24-7 doing what we can do. So what else do I do with them? How do they actually support themselves and make money? So it was it was a constant. And then from there it was, well, there's the the Princess Highway at the time was being duplicated. So there was a lot of work happening on that highway. So we said, well, you know, we could probably pick up some contracts with them. And then when that finishes, we put another driver in it. We can cart stuff into our yard. Let's see how this works. So it was. It was a snowball effect from wanting to service our own business to start off with and then looking at what else can we do with these, how can we actually expand this so it becomes more successful. Um, Again, every step of it, there's always something to learn. No business is without problems. Remembering financial struggles in launching her business, Fisher shares the problem-solving strategies she had to implement to push through obstacles. You realise that that is what business is about, is about solving problems. Um, I remember <laughs> I remember when we first, when I first started that business and we started getting things brought in on pallets going, I need a forklift. And 
it's not like I had a huge amount of money. We started this business on nothing. So there was the need to negotiate things. We borrowed a forklift from the business that was next door to us. They were great. They're a machinery business. They had forklifts. I said, no problems. Just come and grab this one whenever you want. Now, it was a really old, heavy forklift. It made no difference to me. It did the job. I mean, I didn't have to hand unload pallet loads of stuff and have cranky drivers because I'm taking too long. So... So from that perspective, okay, so I know I can use this, but I want my own. I don't want to be the inconvenience. If they're not open, what do I do? How do I actually, um, how do I work through this? So we go up to the bank and at the, back then we're talking $5,000 going, how do I? <laughs> so I go to the bank and I said to the bank, I need a forklift and I can buy one from next door. It's $5,000. I'd never borrowed money in my life at that point. So it's like, how, how am I going to make this happen? And so he sat there and he said to me, you can't borrow money. And I said to him, why not? And he said, well, he said, first $5,000 for a forklift. He said, we, we need to see some sort of security. What are you going to give us? How are you going to pay it back? And, and in my mind, I knew how I was going to do it. But I'm like, okay, so now I have to learn how to actually position this a little bit better. Clearly, I didn't do well there. Um but again, so I've marched off with a no saying, no's not going to work. How do I actually, how do I get past that? How do I find another way around it? And a, a little bit of a struggle to go, well, who do I actually ask? Because in my mind at the time, and still quite young, so well, the, the bank is what you know. It's a, it was just what you're, you're taught. That is what happens. Um, no, it wasn't how it happened. But I did get a letter in the mail that, that, said there's a credit, you could get a credit card and you could get a $1,000 credit card. Um, and I went, well, $1,000 isn't $5,000, but it might be enough to have that and then the bank be able to give me the rest. Let's see what, and, and I think I just became annoying to the bank to eventually he's just gone, she's not going to go away and she just forgot. Um and again, it was it's those moments that are that are pivotal moment, pivotal moments where you where you go, wow, it's this a no is not a no forever. It's just a not like that or not at the moment. So where to from here? So that was it was a constant. That was it was no different to I want a new truck. Okay, so so now how do we actually achieve this without having to jump through the normal hoops that that we go through, which taught me a lot about negotiating taught me a lot about speaking to other people, being able to ask for something and be okay that sometimes it's a no. Um, sometimes those no's come with another direction of you could go and speak to these people or you could try this. But it taught me a lot about collaborating because for, for every challenge along the way, there was another business or another person or another opportunity that I got to play with, work through things with and achieve an outcome. So that way back then was um, they were amazing opportunities for me at the time, but very pivotal moving forward into everything that I do now. And and it's those are the things that I've never forgotten. That when challenges hit, when and and now the chat the size of the challenge just changes. Okay, so when challenges happen now, you might have a COVID comes flying through. Those are the things that I remember that just go. You know what? It's never a no forever. It's a, it's a check-in to look at things differently. Though Fisher did get the forklift, it was about so much more than just overcoming an obstacle for her. It is what success is to her. I got my forklift. There was no two ways. I was never settling for a no. And I knew I didn't know well enough back then 
So it was persistence that got that through. It was just sheer persistence of, of, okay, that didn't work. I'll try this. Let's go again. So yeah, persistence definitely got me the result. But it, again, it, it one of those things that, that even now, it is that ability to not give up too soon that gets the best results, that actually sees things through. A very interesting conversation with a company we're working with on a project only the other day. And my business partner said to them, so what is it in your mind? How do you believe that people actually succeed? Like what is the difference between succeeding and failing in in property projects and industry? And he turned around and he said, it's simple. He said, it's the people that believe in it are the ones that actually succeed. And I said, you know, and I've, I've lived by that for a long time. If you don't believe in it, don't waste your time. It's just not enjoyable. You've actually got to believe in what you do. For Fisher, it wasn't smooth sailing after a forklift dilemma. She reflects for us the importance of passion in your work and yourself as she overcomes yet another obstacle. I very quickly, uh, my transport life was very much based around um, understanding the industry, being able to work with other businesses. The logistical side of it made sense. But, but being able to create great outcomes was incredible. We got a massive challenge as the highway was duplicated where they were now going to cut off the service road to my little garden supply business. And I said, oh, yeah, no, that's not going to happen. But they, they did it in a way that they didn't engage all of the businesses to say this is, this is how it's going to work. They did put paperwork out, but unless you are in amongst all the right forums and, and everything, it can slip past quite easily, which I thought was a little bit frustrating, but that was okay. Eventually, it came to my attention um, that this is what was happening. And I said, well, n- no, it's not. That's that's not an option, actually, because that means that first, I can't get my trucks in conveniently, and then I can't get my customers in conveniently either. So it wasn't just about me. It was about our businesses because there was a group of us along there. So we had to go into fight. And literally, you are now talking about people that design highways, not just the bank over a $5,000 loan. But again, it was collaboration. It was being able to speak to the guys from Vic Roads and say, what do I do about this? Because I don't know who to go to and, and I don't actually know how to fight that. But all I do know is that I, I can't do nothing because that's seriously detrimental to our businesses. And I'm also working on these projects. So now I've got a massive conflict that's going on. If I'm going to create something, I want it to be beneficial, not something that's going to damage our business. How did this come about? So so we worked through it. The, the guys were amazing. They said, we, we can show you where the design faults are and then you can actually go back with some information to present to them and let's, let's look at this differently. And I went, oh, my gosh, I love you guys. You're amazing. Thank you very much. So they worked through it with me and then we got out there and we're measuring things. And so, again, I learned a lot about how they designed, um, the players that, that are actually involved at that level, and then certainly how to, um, how to get a, a, an inroad into, into a meeting that is required and, and definitely about don't give up too early because you're never, ever going to get the results you want if you don't back yourself. We backed ourselves all the way, um, certainly got our service road and our turn-in road that we wanted, so we're super happy about that. Again, just another one of those moments that throughout life is one, something that I could often reference to, to say we can
In the next episode of Property Investory, Melissa Fisher explains how she overcame the biggest challenges of her business. And he's sitting there too going, how the hell do we make it work? When, when, do, we, when do we give up on this? We went, well, you know, you're giving up is not an option. When to cut losses in business. We auctioned it off. It went to an offshore investor, which is, that's probably the hardest part for me is that it didn't remain local. She teaches us a lesson on what everyone may need to hear when we are searching for success. Because we can all sit there and go, I want, I want, I want. Why isn't it happening for me? So sometimes you've got to stop and breathe and say, okay, so who do I need around me? And that's next time on Property Investory. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.